Hollywood Romances Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford Written and narrated by Brad Carty Who do you think is the most famous person in the world? Who would attract the most people to a public event? Who could travel to remote corners of the world and still draw a massive crowd? Would it be a Kardashian? A rock star? Could whomever you're thinking of inspire 10,000 people to crowd a street in Japan just to watch him or her walk from a car into a hotel? Could he or she get 10 times that number of people to greet him or her at a train station in Moscow, Russia? Let's take this thought experiment a little further. Imagine being the biggest female movie star in the world and marrying the second biggest male movie star in the world, whose best friend was the biggest movie star in the world. Imagine that your combined star power is massive enough to create your own movie studio and even to help the United States government pay for a war just by showing up somewhere and waving to a crowd of people who idolize you. All of this really happened over a century ago, when Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford fell in love. In the first few years of motion pictures, there were no movie stars. In fact, actors in films were not even named in the credits. Partly this was because the new medium of movies was considered an insignificant amusement for the working class, who gathered to watch them in tents and, later, Nickelodeons. Real acting was done on a stage in a theater, and so-called legitimate actors were embarrassed to be caught slumming in ten-minute flickers, as movies were called then. Actors usually appeared in films to supplement their stage income, which was easy enough to do, since most movies were filmed in New York during the daytime, since there were no sound stages or artificial lights at the time. Instead, the films were lit by sunshine on outdoor sets. So an actor could work a few hours in the afternoon, pocket a few dollars, then get to the theater for an evening performance at his or her real job. This was exactly the way a young Canadian girl named Gladys Louise Smith got into the movie business. Gladys was born in Toronto in 1892, the oldest of John and Charlotte Smith's three children. John, an alcoholic, abandoned the family while the children were very small, leaving Charlotte to struggle to support them any way she could. She took in boarders to her house, one of whom was a stage manager who needed some children to appear in a local theater production. Young Gladys showed real aptitude for performing, and soon the family was traveling across North America to perform in any play that needed children in the cast. Eventually, they worked their way up to Broadway, where producer David Belasco renamed Gladys Mary Pickford. Eighteen-year-old Mary took day work appearing in a series of short films made by the pioneering cinema director D.W. Griffith. After her first day of work, Griffith knew she had a special quality and offered her five dollars a day for future films. Mary, 
displaying the business savvy and self-confidence that made her legendary later on in Hollywood, demanded $10 a day with a minimum of $40 per week, and got it. Within a few weeks, something happened that had never happened before in the brand new motion picture business. Audiences became enchanted with Mary Pickford and started searching for her in new Griffith films being released every week. Nickelodeon owners, unaware of her name, began advertising films starring The Girl with the Golden Curls. The young actress parlayed this popularity into better parts for bigger salaries. By 1913, she had given up the theater and become the world's first movie superstar. Standing only five feet tall, with delicate features and long curly hair, she often played children or virginal teenagers. She soon acquired the nickname America's Sweetheart. She was one of the first actors to realize that silent film acting needed to be much subtler than stage acting. Audiences felt they could read her mind simply by watching her face, a tremendous skill in the days when dialogue had to be written on cards that interrupted the action. Mary's characters were sweet and innocent, but they also had a sense of adventure and inner toughness that made them very appealing and kept them from becoming too sugary. By the time she met her second husband, she was described by one writer as, quote, the best-known woman who has ever lived, the woman who was known to more people and loved by more people than any other woman that has been in all history. During the same period that Mary was entering the acting profession and the film industry, a young man nine years older than she, from similar circumstances, was following a parallel path. Douglas Ullman was one of four children born from the same mother but three different fathers. Douglas's father abandoned the family when he was a boy. Doug thus shared a similar fate with his future wife, Mary, as well as with his future best friend, Charlie Chaplin. Like Mary, Doug became a child actor who eventually ended up on Broadway and in the fledgling movie business. While Mary's specialty was her portrayal of spunky children and teens, Douglas Fairbanks, who took his last name from one of his mother's other husbands, became noticed for his unusual physicality and athleticism. As one person wrote, quote, He never sat when he could stand, never walked when he could run, and to Doug, chasms were built to jump over, end quote. Even off the screen, Fairbanks would regularly jump over furniture, climb up the outside of buildings or trees, and even do handstands on the backs of horses. He had a handsome face with a perpetual tan that looked good in early black-and-white films, a dazzling smile, and an enthusiasm that seemed to personify American optimism and pluck. It's no surprise that young Doug's hero was Theodore Roosevelt. By the time Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford met in 1916, they were both huge movie stars and both married to other people. Doug's wife Beth was his unofficial manager, who negotiated lucrative contracts for him while also caring for their son, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., who later became a respected film actor himself. Mary was married to an Irish actor she'd met in 1911. Her mother opposed the relationship, so they eloped 
and Owen Moore descended into alcoholism as his career stalled while Mary's exploded. There were reports of wife-beating, and it is assumed that Mary even had an abortion that left her unable to ever have children. Soon after meeting at a party, Doug and Mary began an affair that lasted for three years. Despite their enormous fame, they managed to keep the romance secret from the press and the public. When rumors finally started to increase about their relationship, they divorced their respective spouses, giving them enormous financial settlements as an inducement, and married in 1920. Mary obtained her divorce in Nevada using her real name, Gladys Smith. She told the judge she didn't want any alimony from Owen Moore, which led him to ask her, Do you think you will be able to earn your own living? He was unaware that he was speaking to the highest paid woman in the world. Fairbanks and Pickford honeymooned in Europe and caused riots from the enormous crowds that came to greet them at harbors and train stations. They had had a preview of this a couple of years earlier when they and Chaplin traveled around America to raise money for the country's entry into World War I by selling war bonds. The three superstars spoke on Wall Street in New York City to an estimated 50,000 people, and Mary auctioned one of her world-famous curls for $15,000, which would be about $350,000 today. Crowds this size were unprecedented in modern history. No politician, musician, model, or previous actor had ever attracted even a fraction of the fans who craved the long-distance glimpse of Doug and Mary. As the British writer Alistair Cook wrote, quote, They were a living proof of America's chronic belief in happy endings. By the time of their marriage, Pickford and Fairbanks were not just romantic partners. Along with best friend Chaplin and former boss D.W. Griffith, the couple had formed United Artists, a film releasing company designed to take back control from the established movie studios and give it to the actors and directors who made the films audiences paid to see. By this time, Mary had become her own producer, overseeing every aspect of her films from hiring and firing staff to supervising their direction, editing, marketing, and release. She thus became the first female movie mogul, and for decades to come, the last. She also owned her films, and thus received a huge percentage of the price of every ticket sold. Fairbanks, although slightly less successful in terms of box office, also controlled his own productions, and soon was self-financing them. Since all of his films made money, he was also reaping all of the profits, and soon he and his wife were two of the richest people in America. They built a mansion in Beverly Hills they called Pickfair and hosted dinner parties several nights a week. It was said that royalty and celebrities from around the world considered an invitation to Pickfair to be equal or better than an invitation to the White House. Charlie Chaplin had a bedroom suite reserved for his use until he finally built his own mansion next door. The 1920s were the peak years of Mary and Doug's power and celebrity. 
Fairbanks began to make longer films in which he moved from playing the all-American young man to heroes like Robin Hood and Zorro. The films were massive hits around the world. Mary continued to be the top female movie star, although as she entered her 30s, it was becoming more difficult to convincingly play children on screen. With the coming of sound in 1927, the couple's cinematic output slowed considerably. Mary's little girl persona didn't work with recorded speech, and Doug's action films couldn't be made in the first few years when primitive microphones were stationary and needed to be hidden in flower pots or just off-screen. Doug had too much energy to hang around Pickfair if he wasn't making a film, and so the couple began taking world tours, culminating in the previously mentioned crowds in Japan and Russia. Mary didn't enjoy traveling for months on end. She'd often end up feeling ill in hotels or ship staterooms, while Doug spent the day visiting local celebrities and royalty, or shopping for clothes for himself or gifts for his sick wife. Eventually, Mary told Doug to take trips without her, and the couple went months without seeing each other. Even before these long separations, there had been indications that the couple were developing other romantic interests. Mary had been cast in a film with an actor named Buddy Rogers, who was also a popular band leader, and it was rumored that their love scenes continued after the cameras stopped. Doug was suspected of having an affair with Lupi Velez at the beginning of her career when she was cast in one of his films, although both denied it. On one of Fairbanks's solo trips to Europe in the early 1930s, he began an affair with Sylvia Ashley, born Edith Louisa Sylvia Hawkes, who was 26 years old when they met. Her father had been a stable hand, and later the owner of a pub. Her mother worked as a barmaid. Young Sylvia went into show business as a chorus girl and became involved with a minor royal named Lord Ashley, marrying him over the strenuous objections of his parents. Their subsequent divorce made her a self-sufficient socialite, and she and Fairbanks became an indiscreet couple for a few years. He and Mary tried reconciling several times, but she had become more involved with Rogers. Moreover, she had begun a descent into alcoholism, which ran through her family. Her father and mother were heavy drinkers, and her brother and sister both died of alcoholic complications. Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford, the golden couple, Hollywood's royalty, divorced in 1936. Mary married Buddy Rogers and remained married to him the rest of her life. Doug married Sylvia Ashley soon after divorcing Mary, and they spent the next three years traveling around the world. Fairbanks was a sick man by this time due to a lifetime of heavy cigarette smoking. He often sat in a corner at parties while his young wife danced and flitted from table to table, his celebrated energy almost completely depleted. He finally died in 1939 after a heart attack at the age of 56. Sylvia remarried three more times, including to Clark Gable for less than 18 months. Mary and Buddy lived together in Pickfair for the rest of their lives, they adopted two children, but Mary's relationship with them was difficult and they became estranged. She had stopped making films in 1933, 
but continued producing films for other people and remained an active partner in United Artists until 1956. For the last 20 years of her life, she was a recluse, allowing only a few friends to visit her. Her last appearance before the public was in a short segment filmed at Pickfair when she accepted an honorary Oscar in 1976. She died three years later at the age of 87. Buddy Rogers remained on the Pickfair property in the guesthouse, as mandated in Mary's will, until his death. Pickfair itself was purchased by the actress and singer Pia Zadora and her financier husband. They demolished the property and built a new house, claiming that the famous mansion was infested with both termites and ghosts. In an age when entire television channels and magazines are devoted to celebrity news, and it seems truer than ever that Andy Warhol was right when he predicted that everyone will be famous for 15 minutes, the Fairbanks-Pickford story just sounds like an early version of transitory fame. In fact, they were not only the first megastars, they were, and remain, the biggest. Take a moment and look on the internet for photos of Douglas Fairbanks holding Charlie Chaplin on his outstretched arm in front of 50,000 people during their Liberty Barn tour in 1918. Find the photos and short newsreel videos of Doug and Mary driving through a foreign capital while tens of thousands of people craned their necks to see them. Such a thing had never been seen before and probably never will be again apart from the funerals of legendary performers or dictators, where the mourners are either brainwashed or attending under duress. And while you're on the internet, spare a few minutes to watch Douglas Fairbanks climb to the top of a house, jump from the roof to a nearby tree, and climb down to the ground in one smooth, effortless motion, long before the invention of special effects in movies. Then watch Mary Pickford escape from danger or fall in love while maintaining her cheerful smile and her direct communication through the movie screen with an audience of millions. Individually, they were magical performers. As a couple, they were truly legendary. Hollywood Romances Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford Written and narrated by Brad Carty